As we continue to walk through the uh, Gospel of John, indeed, Jesus' light does shine. It shines in all of, of His glory, and, and it shines in a, a penetrating way as well for each of us. Um, today, we'll see a, a passage, um, one of Jesus taught meeting a, a woman in uh, um, uh, a foreign land next to a well. And, and what we'll, we'll encounter there is how Jesus shines deeply into who she is and, and loves her purely and perfectly, um, even though he knows her purely and perfectly. And how thankful I am that, that Jesus' love is, is so powerful, that his affection for me is unbounded. And what I find is that when he shines in me, where he usually speaks to me the clearest, it is in my own selfishness, it's in my own arrogance, it's in my own shallow judgments of others, usually based on appearance and some other worldly traits. And, and I find there Jesus shines the brightest. And I think we'll see the same thing here with Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. It's found on page 864 in your pew Bible, um, starting with chapter 4, verse 1. You can uh, turn in there or you can also watch on the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we ask in this moment that you would lead our very souls to hear from you, that, that you would shine brightly in us, that, that we openly and honestly would come before you and hear from you, hear your words of truth, of encouragement, of challenge. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Again, John chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized, he left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, hey, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that it is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. 
But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to be, keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am He, the one who is speaking to you. Just then His disciples came. They were astonished that He was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more than comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's really three elements that I want to look at at this conversation with Jesus and this Samaritan woman. The first element is that Jesus' affection, his unbounded affection for every human being is not affected by worldly, earthly human standards. Totally totally separated from cliques and groups and, and cool rules that we have. You know cool rules. Those are the, the rules that we follow in, in the uh, school cafeteria. You know? Now, I, remember, I remember vividly one time being at a, a McDonald's with a group of friends after a, um, a high school basketball game. And we were, went inside, got an order, and came outside to sit at the tables. And one of the tables was full. And when I came out, I didn't sit at the full table. I sat at the next table and sat 
by myself. And just knowing there are other people still coming. And when I did that, then the group at the other table, all of them except one, got up to sit next to me. And they were following the cool rules of the day. And Todd Merrick was tired of the cool rules. He was the one guy that was still sitting at the other table. And he got up with his milkshake, came over, yelled at us, and threw his milkshake at us. At the time, you know, I responded with righteous indignation. (laughs) Today, I respond with tears. Because Todd had to live by the cool rules. And Todd just wasn't cool. Now, talk about revenge of the nerds. Today he's a PhD in computer engineering, works with Motorola in the military, and he's been instrumental in all the cellular work of the last uh, 10, 15 years. But at the time, the cool rules didn't include Todd. The cool rules don't include this woman. She is lost, she is separated, she is apart, ostracized in every way. First, in the first century, she's a woman. It's clear, you've heard before, there's all kinds of of writings in the first, second, third century of prayers of men saying, thank God I'm not a woman. Or rules for how to limit conversations with women because it's inappropriate to have conversations in public. Secondly, she was a Samaritan. Samaritans were ostracized by Jews. They were not to be included. They had bad theology. They had bad history. They had bad genes. And they were just people to be separated from. They they didn't have the, the entire Bible. They only believed in the first five books. They only believed in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They didn't include the rest. They had the wrong place to worship. They had built their own temple in Gerizim. They weren't at the temple in Jerusalem. They had bad practices, bad theology in every way. And as we find out a little little bit later, later, she's living in sin. But Jesus encounters her with an abundant affection face to face. Totally undeterred by the the human walls and separations and cool rules that we live by. Now, it's great to to look at this chapter and this verse, this encounter with with the counter before it. Remember Nicodemus. Now, he was was the king of the cool rules. he, He was a leader in the religious people, a member of the Sanhedrin. He was in the popular group. He he followed the cool rules and benefited from them. Jesus will meet both of them face to face and encounter them into the depths of their being. His affection for each of them is undeterred by the cliques, groups, castes, classes, cool rules of our age. The people we don't like, the people we don't understand, the the people that we say, what do they bring to the table? The people that we gauge as those that take more away. Jesus loves them with an unbounded affection. The ways that we can look in the mirror and say, what do we bring? We, we, We don't bring anything to the table 
We are worthless, meaningless. Well, first, those are lies. But second, no matter what you say about yourself, that is, that does not deter Jesus from loving you with an unbounded affection. Every single human being is created in the image of God. Good, bad, or ugly. No matter what their mental capacities, no matter what their intellectual abilities, their their physical gifts, no matter their appearance, every single human being is created in the image of God. Every single human being, Jesus died for them. And in this encounter with this woman of ill repute who is, has to be, she's so ostracized but even by her own community that she has to come for water at the heat of the day all by herself. The ways that we as humans can value one another, Jesus doesn't care. It just doesn't enter into His affection for every single one of you and for the person next to you and for the person behind you and in front of you. No one is outside of Jesus' direct, unbounded affection. And one of the things that I, I love about what God is doing in our midst is bringing us all kinds of folks. Folks we like, folks we don't like, folks we agree with, folks we don't agree with, folks who we deem attractive, folks who we deem unattractive. God's bringing them all because He loves them all. And one of the greatest greatest testimonies to the existence of the love of Jesus Christ is a community of people who are centered upon Jesus, who connect with one another, no matter how great the differences may be between them. Because that is a sign of this unbounded affection that Jesus has for every human being, no matter how good, bad, or ugly, or beautiful the world might deem them. His affection not affected by human appearances. The second thing that I I see here, Jesus' power is not threatened by clear, direct, hard questions, by doubts and uncertainties, by incomplete understandings of who He is. His power is not threatened by the fact that this, this, this woman doesn't get who she is. And throughout the Gospel of John, and, and even in the story later on, the disciples don't get who He is. They still don't understand. They're still judging by material judgments instead of spiritual judgments. His, Jesus can handle hard questions and doubts and uncertainties. What, what I, I love here is the interaction between the, the Jesus and the woman in, in verse 11. I mean, Jesus just got through saying, you know, if, if, if you'd asked me, in verse 10, you know, for a drink, I would have given you a drink of, of living water. To which the, then the, the woman turns to him and says, and really challenges him. It's really sort of an incredulous question here. I mean, wait a minute, buddy. Um, you're out here by yourself, just like me. You're tired and hungry, which is another 
little side point. Notice how John gets at Jesus' humanity here. I mean, he was tired. He was thirsty. That was a little freebie. But this woman saying, you're out here next to a well, you're tired, you're thirsty, you're hot, and you don't even have a cup. And now you're making claims for yourself like that you're some God kind of figure? I mean, are you really greater than Jacob, the one who gave us this well? I mean, exactly what are you saying, uh, kind sir? Jesus is unfazed by that. He he doesn't. His power is not threatened. His, His position, his identity is not threatened. And this... Even as she continues, still not getting it at first, and as he goes on saying, the water I will give you will be a water gushing up within you of eternal life, of the the Spirit alive within you, giving you a life that is full and real. And she says, you know, hey, I like this water. If this water can keep me from coming to have to come back out here every day in the heat of the day, this is great. It'll make my life easier. Uh, well, but Jesus, he's not, again, he's not deterred by our questions or doubts or uncertainties or incomplete knowledge. He's not phased by that. The fact that she wants an easy life, he still wants to give her a real life, a full life, an abundant life. It's okay. It's okay for us and for others to not understand Jesus in his totality. It's okay for for us and for our friends to ask really hard questions. Being real and open and honest. We don't have to fake it. Because Jesus' love is unbounded, because He's not threatened, we can be real and open, intellectually honest with Jesus. And we can let our friends, who maybe are seekers or unbelievers or wanderers, Ask the really hard questions. It's okay. I mean, a, a day will come when we will live by sight, no longer have to live in, in faith. A, a day will come when we will, even if we don't have all the answers, we won't be asking the questions anymore when we see Jesus face to face. But until that time, we are all, and every person is on a spiritual journey, whether they know it or not. And it's okay as Jesus encounters them and encounters us to be honest with Him, with ourselves, and with one another. We don't have to fake it. We don't have to force it. Jesus encounters this woman and invites her to be real, honestly herself before Him. And finally, Jesus' love is never thwarted by our brokenness and sin. And he, he, as the woman then goes through this little side conversation on what worship is about as she tries to get off track because Jesus is getting to the core. I mean, Jesus is shining deep into who she really is and she's, he, she recognizes this so she tries that deflection. Let's talk about some theological problem about where we're supposed to worship. And then Jesus says, I'll tell you what, let's do that. Why don't you bring your husband? And he comes Right to the issue before her. That one thing she's trying to hide, either from herself or from him or from others. And he goes right to it. As Jesus goes deep, shines deep in our lives, he will address our own sin, 
our own brokenness, our own mistakes. And He will meet us there in His unbridled, unbounded affection for the real you and the real me. Jesus loves the woman at the well who she really honestly is. She doesn't love... Jesus doesn't love who she wants to be. Jesus doesn't love who the, the, the people around her think she should be. Jesus doesn't love who she thinks she think, the people around her think she needs to be. Jesus loves her. Honestly, openly before Him. Jesus loves you. Honestly, openly before Him. His affection is unbridled undeterred, unaffected by the the ways of the world. It is not set aside by the honest, open questions that we have for Him and it is not thwarted by the sin in our life or in anybody else's life. Jesus loves you. The you you really are. He loves me. The me I really am. Not the me that mom wants me to be, or that you want me to be, or that I want me to be. He loves me who I am. And he loves you who you are. Now, I recognize for some of us here, There may be issues, history. There may be sin like this woman at the well. And as Jesus goes deep with you, you you will need somebody to walk with you. It is a a scary, difficult place because of of your own history, whatever that may be. And that's why we have a counseling and care ministry here. It's why Gene Schneider is on staff, why we have counselors, why we have listeners to walk with people in the midst of going deep with Jesus who uncovers things like five husbands and now living with the one who's not. Because that's where Jesus wants to go. He wants to shine deeply, especially into the brokenness, into the mess, into the sin of our own lives. Jesus loves you. The honest you. The real you. And He wants to lead you to be the you that He's created you to be. Just ask a Samaritan woman by the well at noon. That's the love of Jesus going deep and honest with each one of us. Amen.